This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. What's up, everybody? Mr. Adam X, your host of the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. Uh, I'm obviously in studio. I've got a squeaky chair, so I know that'll bother most people. I'm going to keep doing it because I like it. Uh, amazing. I just had an amazing conversation. Elena Nichols. I think she's the most winningest athlete I've ever had on the show. She has three gold medals, two silver and a bronze, I believe. She, I think she got first place in a surfing competition, which was with all males. Elena's a superstar. Like, I cannot geek out more about having her on as a guest. But it was such a great conversation. We talk about women's rights and equality and something I can't relate to, but I can learn from. And I think everyone can take away from this. Uh, she is a disabled athlete. She's a Paralympian. It, I like, I, I'm, I literally just finished the conversation. So I'm like, all these things are running through my brain. She's a mother. And most of all, she's a badass. So thank you for being on. And thank you for tuning in and listening. Before we get into the episode, as always, I have to give a shout out to my sponsors. You guys know them. You love them. The feed, specifically Kyoku, it's a breakfast shake. I use it as a meal replacement. I use it in the van. I use one of those little, like, cheap Amazon snapper things. I don't know. But get yourself some free Kyoku Go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit, and we're giving it to you. Pay $5 shipping. It has broccoli, chickpeas, all types of plant-based ingredients. Uh, the only one I can't say is the Asawanagaha, but I think that's pretty bomb, if I'm being honest. Um, try it out, Kyoku. Go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit. And now for my second sponsor. You guys know it. You love it. Sierra Nevada Hop Splash. Oh, just listen to that. I'm going to take a quick little sip. Sparkling infused hop water. You guys know it. I love it. Um, it's made with citrus and hops. It kind of tastes like it's got a little peach, mango, and grapefruit taste to me. So this is my favorite drink. Non-alcoholic, zero calories, zero alcohol. They make a ton of other beers. Uh, summer break IPA has been like the top for all my friends. They love it. I mean, I don't know. I it's Sierra Nevada. They do it all. It's fantastic. Go get yourself some hop splash. My name is Elena Nichols. I am here in Reno, Nevada at the moment. Uh, I am from Farmington, New Mexico originally and, uh, stoked to sit down with you for a minute. That's like the most humble intro I've ever heard in my life. Like, you are three-time gold medalist, two-time silver, one bronze. I think there's plenty of other accolades, but, like, those are, like, the – we'll just say those right off the bat. Like, that doesn't define you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. I mean, you know what's interesting about that is I don't even – I'm not even trying to get all heavy on you right at the beginning, but your sense of self-worth – is so much more important than any accolade that you can have. So like, it doesn't matter if I'm a gold medalist, unless I really believe, you know, I, I deserve that, et cetera. You know what I mean? So no, I wouldn't say it defines me, but I would say that there's definitely some cool perks about it. I, uh, I have met some presidents and, you know, cruised on some red carpets at the SBs and, a bunch of other fun stuff. So yeah, I would say it's been fun to to have those accolades for sure. I would think if I had those, I would I would die on those. That would be like I would have it on right now. <laughs> so many people say that. They're like, so why aren't you wearing your gold medal? I'm like, to the gas station? <laughs> like what like is that what you're thinking? Like I'm just gonna cruise out of the house. First of all, they are about two pounds a piece. So not trying to complain, but that would be a fair amount of weight to carry around all the time, <laughs> which are like hashtag, you know, Olympic, Paralympic problems. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, what's so cool about having gold medals is 
getting to share them. I didn't know that. Like I didn't, I wasn't thinking that far ahead outside of like, I have a four year plan to win a gold medal at the Paralympics. I wasn't thinking like after I have the gold, then I get to share it with so many people. And some of the coolest experiences of my life was like handing my medal to a, a, a little kid or even an adult that's like, wait a minute, you know, that moment comes over and they're like, this is it. This is the real thing. It's heavy. It's gold. It's like, and then to watch their just, I don't know, the little kids are so cute. Their eyes just widen and they're like, you won this at the Paralympics? And I'm like, yeah, I got three of them, you know? And so just getting to share them is so cool. Yeah. It's such a weird, it's not weird, but it's like a bizarre thing. Like you just have them. And like, what do you do with, they're like trophies. I mean, it's a, it's one of the greatest yeah. trophies you can ever earn, but like, not like I have many trophies, but I'm sure I have a participation trophy from like soccer when I was 12. But like, what do you do with it? Like, what is it? Do you have a display case? What is it like? Yeah. It's funny. Cause that question gets asked to a lot of Olympic and Paralympic athletes. And, uh, more often than not, they're found in a sock drawer or like <laughs> wherever, you know, I have mine in a backpack that's in my closet. So not that fancy. I do have friends that have them like shadow boxed. And I even had a friend that had like a coffee table that was like a shadow box with all of her medals. And it was really cool because people got to see them all the time, you know, whenever they came to their house. So, um, but yeah, mine are kind of humbly thrown in the back of my closet at the moment. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't pretend to imagine or like, I don't know, I, the stress that comes with that. And then you're always an Olympian. That's like forever. That's like yeah. what people say. Like they, no one can ever take that from you. That is, and I'm sure you talk about it and you're like, you're so much more than that at this point. But at that point it was a goal and you were going to do it. Uh, I want to backtrack yeah. a little bit. Clearly I Googled you and, you know, did my, a little bit of research at least. You were injured at 17 from a snowboarding accident. How to not to, we don't have to go super deep. I'm sure you've talked about it a billion times, but like now you're this superstar athlete. What was 16 year old you? Were you on track mm. to be an athlete? Were you, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, that's so, it's such an interesting time in the human span of life to be 16, because who knows, you know, I did uh, have some potential scholarships in line. I was being recruited by LSU at the time for fast pitch softball. So I don't know where I would have ended up, but it's interesting, fast forward uh, about eight years, I ended up playing wheelchair basketball for the University of Alabama. So those two schools in the SEC are huge rivals and my path just, you know, um, but 16 year old me was a three sport athlete. I played basketball, volleyball and softball. And um, that was very much like my path for sure. And I was hoping to go to college and I had dreams of playing on the Olympic stage and, and fast pitch softball. So, um, you know, I didn't have any doubt that I would reach those goals. I, everything that I knew to be true about the way the world works was if you do the hard work and you focus on your goal, you'll achieve it. And then you move to the next one and you set a bigger goal. And, you know, that's kind of what I learned through being an athlete my whole life. So when it came to becoming paralyzed at 17 after my snowboarding accident, I couldn't wrap my head around the idea that I couldn't control how this played out, right? Like a spinal cord injury is the only real, I guess, organ in your body that can't regenerate itself. So even if you have a brain injury or your heart tissue or lung tissue is damaged, those can all rejuvenate, but a spinal cord injury can't. And so you know, 17 year old me sitting in a hospital bed being told I wasn't ever going to walk again. It didn't compute. I wasn't having it really, you know? And so I love that about myself because I was naive enough to believe that I was going to walk again. And that really helped me kind of process through rehabilitation and like 
I just put my head down and worked. You know, I was like, what do you need me to do? Oh, sit up in bed for the first time. Okay, get dressed, check off the list, you know, transfer from the bed to my chair and from the ground to my chair, whatever it was that I needed to do. I always thought that, okay, I would do all the things and then eventually I would start walking. And so it wasn't in a, until about two years after my injury. Um, and, and that's what the doctor had said. Like, if you don't get function back in that following two years, you probably won't get it. And so that's kind of when things crashed down, like reality came, set it set in. And uh, I was in college at the time at the University of New Mexico and um, just really hopeless. Like nothing was working out. Like I wasn't playing softball in college and I wasn't meeting new people and having the time of my life. I was feeling really misunderstood because it was less than a year before I was like a walking athlete that was very popular in high school, like got along with everybody. And then I go off to college and people assume that I was in a chair my whole life. And I'm like, no, I'm, I was an athlete and I still am, but I don't know it yet. And so it was about two years after my injury at college at University of New Mexico, where I came across wheelchair basketball and it was like, I call it a God moment. It was like fate, whatever it was. I was just rolling through the gym one day. Um, and I saw this whole team of people playing this really like aggressive game of what looked like, you know, have you ever seen murder ball like that? Yeah. It's like quad rugby. I mean, this was so aggressive. And like low key violent that I was like, dude, I kind of want to get in on this. Like they're hitting each other super hard, falling down. I, I saw guys hitting three point shots, you know, um, from a seated position from like an NBA. Yeah. It's line, like, it's like know? a and demolition like, derby yeah. but with basketball. Like it is not, totally. it is fast paced and it's, it's wild to, to witness uh, not yeah. to interrupt you, but it's, it, it's not, I just think most people think like wheelchair basketball, like it's just like very, like these people are athletes. They are not oh, like, sure. I played, I had the opportunity to play sled hockey. Oh, cool. I got my ass kicked. Like, totally. I was disabled. Like it was like, and I yeah. mean that in like the, but it was, all, it was so, it was such a learning experience for me. Like. I got my ass kicked. Like I was sore. Yeah. I, I, they were like, they're a bunch of hockey bros. Runs, they were like, yeah, it was you. amazing. Yeah. It was the coolest, yeah. like most humbling learning experience of like one of uh, in my life to just be like, holy shit. Like this is, yeah. this is as real as it gets. Totally. Arguably harder and mean. Totally. Those athletes. <laughs> I mean, I will welcome anybody listening to Google, like, Paralympic wheelchair basketball, USA versus Canada, and watch this incredible like dance, right? The way that they move their chairs. I have a friend, Matt Scott, who's got like a seven foot wingspan. He was born with spina bifida, so his legs are small. And he could literally gallop on the ground with his arms, pop back in his chair, didn't miss a beat. He's at it. You know, it's like, what is happening? So, I mean, for me as an athlete, that was a life-changing moment because I suddenly like couldn't really complain, right? There was all these people in my same boat that had even more of a disability than me in some cases. And I was just like, wow, you're doing it. Like, here we go. So that challenge in and of itself, like every other athletic challenge that was presented to me was enough to just you know, I, I refocused, I learned about the Paralympics and was like, I got a new goal. And it was really that, that sport that changed my whole, the trajectory of my life after my injury. It's crazy how just seeing other people in the same situation can change a mental mindset. Cause I assume 19 year old is not in a great place is, and I'm speculating okay. for sure, but like, I can't, I can't even fathom going through that. And then, like yeah. you said, in high school, you were like, now you have to explain all these people in college that, you know, I was an athlete and still are, but don't mentally know that you are yet or still are. Right. 
And then seeing all these people in your position, or maybe even worse, living their best lives and being athletes. And like, I can't even imagine, was it, did you witness it and like instantly know? It was a little bit of a, like a bittersweet moment because, you know, I played basketball my whole life and I had like my ankles and my knees and my hips to project the ball into the hoop. And it was all very flowy and kinetic movement was working. And then I sat in that chair the day that I saw it, I had a girl approached me and was like, you want to try? I sat in the chair. I threw the ball at the hoop literally as hard as I could wasn't even close. And I was like, dang, this really kind of sucks. Like I, I used to be able to do this really well and now it's so hard. And, but like, also I saw these other people being able to do it. So I knew it was possible. And so like, if I wasn't so strong headed, I would have just been like, nah, like I used to do this and now it's not for me, but I was like, wait a minute, these people can do it, you know? And I, I remember it being like, it was painful at first because even dribbling was different. I used to, I hit the wheel right off the bat. Like it was discouraging, but it was like challenging. So I, it wasn't long after though, I remember pushing down the court at one of those just community practices. And I saw a dude with no legs next to me. And I was like, I don't care how many legs you're missing. Like, I'm going to beat you down the court right now. And it was just like this fiery, like competitive spirit that never left me. It was always there. And I just needed a new, you know, vehicle to express that. And um, I'm really lucky I came across it. Yeah, it's always the more I learn, the more I'm like a lot of you just don't know it doesn't exist. You don't know what you don't know. And like talking to Roy your, your husband, for anyone listening who doesn't know, um, a lot of it is just like, it's just awareness. Like, I didn't know that people played sled hockey in Buffalo on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. And like, like yeah. I didn't know that. And until you know that, then it becomes, oh, I have an opportunity to do these things. And I have, so I think like, that's one of the biggest, I had Steve Serio, I think that's how you say his last yeah. name. on Serio. Mm-hmm. I had him on the podcast and we just talked about it because it was like, Dude, we play it. I think yeah. he's in Manhattan, but like we play all the time. Like, it's just like, you don't know of the opportunities and you know, you just cruising through the, the gym, seeing this opportunity completely arguably changed the projector of your life. Like, yeah, if they weren't playing at that exact time, when you came through, I would have missed it. Yeah. Like it's that's why I'm like, if God moment or something like that was serendipity for sure. It's, insane so you play basketball you are amazing at it you go to the paralympics you win a gold your team wins a gold right Mm -hmm. i think that happens right away where does skiing come into play well skiing i had like a couple of what do you say like sticks in the fire i guess because as i was preparing to go to beijing in 2008 i was wrapping up my master's degree at the University of Alabama. And the summer we were training for Beijing out in Colorado at the Olympic Training Center, I had learned about this program called the National Sports Center for the Disabled in Winter Park, Colorado, which is just outside of Denver. And so before I left to Beijing, I met with the head coach for the Alpine ski team. um, And I sat down with them for lunch. I'll never forget it because I told him like my big ridiculous plans. I was like, I'm going to Beijing. We're winning the gold. I'll have $5,000, which is what we got paid at the time for gold. We get equal pay now, thankfully, but my gold was missing a few zeros after it back then. And uh, I said, I'm going to put that $5,000 into your program and start ski racing. And I want to go to the 2010 games in Vancouver for Alpine ski racing. And he was like, um pump the brakes like let's think about Sochi maybe in 2014 like you don't even ski independently yet because I had only gone a few times um adaptive skiing at that point and he had a great point but I was also like you don't know me let's go and so that's kind of how it all played out I mean like 
if you don't have a big ridiculous dream, there's no way it can happen. You have to just throw it out there, go big and see how it plays out. So um, after Beijing, thankfully we won the gold, like who knows how that was going to play out. We went into that season undefeated and we left with a gold, like it was fairy tale stuff. And then moved from Alabama out to Colorado, started ski racing. Um, within two years, I was on the Paralympic team at Vancouver, um, racing for another gold and like everything that happened in between there though, was like, it was wild because it had to happen exactly the way it did points wise for me to be able to make the team. Like I had to win the national title in downhill my first year. I didn't know that. I'm not that smart. Like if I knew that I probably would have choked, but I didn't, you know, so I won that, you know, every step was like really important. And I was just skiing. Like I didn't have anything to lose, you know? So. Yeah. I can say I'm going to the Olympics. I'm not like, it's not going to happen for me, no matter how hard I try, no matter. So it's, it's a testament to who you are as a human, but also just like, there's some, I don't want to call it luck, but you're like, I didn't even know I had to win that to get there. Like you were just right. like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to put my head down and do the work. But my, mm-hmm. my big question, and you got injured snowboarding and now you're mm-hmm. making this skiing push. How do you ski? Like there's nothing to lose. How do you get through or is that not even a thought? Like I crashed my mountain bike last week and I'm so slow right now because I crashed yeah. and I'm terrified again. Like I'm like, Nope. Totally. Like I crashed and I was like, I hit my head. So I was like going through the motions of like, okay, I'm not concussed. And then all my buddies were there and I was like, I'm going to be 40 in four years. I can't be doing this. I got to get my stuff together. Like, how do you mentally get back out there on a surface sliding down snow that changed your entire life? Yeah. Well, I will say first and foremost that any ski racer is built a little different and you could say we have a few screws loose or whatever that looks like, but like, you know, we have this innate, um, desire to go really fast. And if you don't have that in you already, it's a, it's a huge challenge to, to gain the courage to want to do that. And then, so I'm built with that already. I'm a risk taker through and through my challenge was how do I harness that desire and not go too fast and not risk too much, just like when I broke my back, right? So I I was kind of coming at it from the other end, like how do you slow down a little bit um, and really manage my speed? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I got a sixth gear, I'm ready to go. And so um, it was, I think it was harder for my mom, to be honest. Like, she's just like, wait, you broke your back snowboarding and now you want to go even faster on a mono ski with no leg function, only your arms. Like what is going through your head? And for me, it was really, again, about the challenge of like, I want to see if I can do it and how well I can do it. And I think that's really at the heart of every athlete. It's that curiosity that makes them keep going at it every day. And I did have a lot of really bad crashes in my mono skis. So, I mean, there were totally those times where I had to work through the, the weight of the fact that I could get hurt again. I'm still not invincible to this day. Um, and so knowing that I could get hurt, um, it's a huge mental challenge, especially at one point I was, I was both on the Paralympic basketball team and the ski team. So I really had to grapple with the idea of not hurting my shoulder for the Paralympic basketball team as I was skiing. And so one thing I know to be true is if you think you're going to crash, you will. So literally just controlling your mental is like, if I was running through a course in my head, you know, we, we memorize the course and, and it's been proven that the more times that you visualize it's equal to actually practicing the skill that you're doing. So visualization is huge. 
Um, and if I crashed in my visualization, I had to start all over redo. No, we're not, you know, and if you get a fear inside of you, you're sitting in a start gate about to go 70 miles per hour on a monoski. You really got to deal with that super fast or it's not going to go well. <laughs> and there were plenty of times when I, you know, I didn't get my mental state exactly right. And I did crash and I never, never liked to hear it, but my coach would say, well, I never learned anything from myself winning all the time. And, uh, it's true. I learned way more from crashing and, and not winning, but nobody likes it. <laughs> you don't want to have to experience it, but um, I guess one of the takeaways from my athletic career as a whole, though, was honestly the the losses were equally as important to me um, as the wins were. So it's, I mean, the feelings that you have and the process that you go through and the people that you ex you share that with along the way, that's really what matters more than anything. Yeah, it's important to learn to lose, and it's such like a, a corny saying, but like I have a bunch of nephews right. who are starting to play sports, and it's like, you know, they're getting to the age where I got to like swat them in basketball, and like you got to lose. Like right. I'm six foot, yeah. you're not. Like you're going to lose to me because right. you're done winning. But it's I'm trying to teach them. I don't bully them, but like it's important to learn to lose and how much better and how much hard. Like there's going to be in four years, those kids are going to be way better than me at basketball, and that's the lesson. It's right. like. But it's, right. it's an interesting thing. But this all worked out for you. You're the first female to win gold in a summer and winter Paralympics. Yeah. And no one can ever take that from you. First. First. Yeah, that was pretty epic. I mean, I knew that I had a shot at it. But when I, like, actually made history, I couldn't believe it. I, You know, it's it really is. There's great fortune that goes into winning a gold and I don't mean to take away from any of the hard work that I did um but to be the best in the world on one particular day is very it's really unique you know it's like everything comes together and for that to happen you know before anybody else got to do it I was just beside myself I'm like who gets to do that you know and then after winning the gold in Vancouver um, I got to do so many cool things. We went to the White House. I was able to meet President Obama and the First Lady, um, which was just like very Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> Forrest Gump moments. It's yeah. just like, is this my life right now? And then I got to go in Michelle Obama's motorcade to a local school and teach. She was very passionate about promoting movement and exercising kids. And so all of us Olympians that did really well in Vancouver got to go with her to a school and teach, you know, about how important it is to move and just like sitting next to Michelle Obama. It was, I don't know. I still am like, how is that? How is that real? Oh, it's <laughs> surreal. And like what, not to get political, but like what a great time to be really good at a sport and go to the White totally. House. <laughs> Totally, um, totally. And I that's all really we'll like touch it. on that. But like, I feel like I could like hang out with the Obamas, like take. Oh, yeah. like, they're so just like cool. humans, which is nice to see. Um, <laughs> we mm -hmm. won't get too political, but it's such a weird thing. Like you're good at just like as simple as it sounds like you're really good at a sport or athletes are really good at sports and they get like these really crazy opportunities. Like you're next to, you know, Michelle Obama teaching a classroom because you're really good at something that you love. Like, right. what? Like, that's an insane thing to think about. And I'm yeah. sure when it's happening, you're, you're like, I, what is happening? Cause you're just you, you've been you your whole life. Right. And you're like, I'm here. Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm invited to hang out with these people. I don't know. It seems. Yeah. Same. It seems incredible, like insane. I mean, I feel like that when I interview athletes, like I'm like, how am I in a hypothetical same room with a three-time gold medalist, silver medalist, bronze medalist? Like, how does that exist in my world? So it's, it's cool. It's crazy. It's, it's awesome. And it's super fortunate, but 
I want to talk. We won't talk too much. We've talked a lot of sports, and we're gonna. But we're gonna. You got into kayaking, canoeing. That was like. Mm-hmm. Was that just like I think I can do this? It was another kind of thing that I was like, I wonder if I can. You know what I mean? Um, but it kind of all happened after Sochi, the the Winter Games in Russia. I had had a bad crash there, got knocked out and sent to the hospital and all the things. And I was just super broken. Like my body, I had dislocated my right shoulder previous to the games up at Mount Hood. I was skiing and dislocated it backwards, had to have full reconstruction surgery and start from the ground up. My arm looked like a cute little regular girl arm. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And like had to just build it back up like the smallest little movements. It was very humbling. I had one working limb in my wheelchair for like six weeks. It was tough. Um, And so I get to Sochi. I did get the silver, which was really awesome. Um, Crashed in the Super G, which was the second race stitches in my chin the whole deal and I was just like god I'm I'm trying so hard right now and that's it goes back to the the fortune of it right I did everything I could to control how the outcome happened for me and and it wasn't going well right and so after Sochi I had planned to take my grandma on vacation to Hawaii where I would come across a program called Access Surf um that it took me out surfing. I caught my first wave, changed my whole life. I like to say it ruined it. I was like, God damn it. Now I got to go surf because I love this so much. So I moved from Colorado out to California and I was just like, you know, there's only, I'm like one of two women's wave skiers in the world that has a disability. So I knew I'd be competing against all of the boys in wave skis. And so I was like, Ooh, you know what I'll do? I'll get really proficient at paddling get super buff, super strong, super lean, try to go to the Paralympics. If it works out, that's cool. If not, like I'm spending my time becoming an incredible like water woman. I want to be a water woman. And uh, I did end up going to the Paralympics. I did not, however, win the gold there. I did learn a lot from the process because I knew I wasn't going to win. I it's and it was such a different process when I didn't have that as the end result. So I had to show up every day, 5 a.m. Mission Bay, San Diego, and do the work and love it. And some days I hated it, but I went back every day, you know, and it was real. It was a real test of my like grittiness. Like I it was hard, hard, hard. And so um I finished my goal that I set out to do and and competed at the Paralympics, but really what I was most interested in was surfing. And all the time that I was training, I was also surfing all over Southern California, um, made a trip out to Australia and New Zealand and surfed the Canary Islands and did all this really cool stuff. So, I mean, my whole focus was out in the water at that point. And, uh, yeah, I did end up beating all the boys one one time at when it counted to at nationals. Um, I surfed my brains out. It was awesome. Had a great heat. Um, I still compete now. And Roy and I just got back from Hawaii where we were competing at a competition. Actually, the one that I started with, Access Surf. So um, fast forward about, I guess, six years or so. And I still get to see all those amazing people, um, eight years, I guess, uh, that kind of got me on my first wave. It's pretty cool. Surfing's such a neat sport that, like, I don't want to date you or age you here, but, like, Kelly Slater's still, like, the greatest surfer on the planet, and he's old. Like, he's, like... He's old. He's old. And he's just, cr- like, it's such a lifetime sport. And, right. you know, we can still ski and... You know, I know you guys are still active skiers, but like it's the abuse on the body and you ski less or you like surfing is it's abusive. Everything's abusive, but like it's such a neat lifetime sport. And the coolest thing about surfing is when you're not surfing, you just hang out on the beach. There's like another just a victory. The lifestyle. Yeah. Like I was always so jealous. The lifestyle. It's so healthy. It's just like 
you know, not to sound cliche, but it, it feels very spiritual to surf and just be so small out in the ocean. It's, it gives you a different feeling of where you belong in the world a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that's cliche. I, I feel that with mountains a lot. Um, and then the ocean is like, water's powerful. Like you have a glass of water and you don't think anything of it. And then you're surrounded by water and you're like, I am not in control. I am nothing. Like I, it's, it is spiritual. You're, like the, wor- I, you're the worst, you're the worst swimmer out there. If you think about it, Oh, <laughs> everything in the ocean swims way better than you. Way no. better than you by far. Yeah. It's i I'm always like, why don't surfers wear life jackets? I mean, I know why they don't, but I'm like, seems like we should have life jackets on out here. Like I'm going to start a trend. <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, on big days, that's why they have the blow up suits and everything. But yeah, it's, it's wild. Like the way that we surf, me and Roy as paraplegics, we sit on a surfboard, we strap it onto our waist and then we use a kayak paddle to paddle into the waves. So we have like a pretty good amount of equipment to deal with as you're getting completely destroyed by a giant wave you know what I mean <laughs> like where's my paddle let me hold on to my surfboard like the whole deal so how do you paddle out because you can't dip you're not dipping under the wave right right yeah we go over the top so um oh, if you are you're so not much tougher than right I am place it's tough it's tough on big days at beach breaks and you have just a giant wall of white water coming at you Sometimes all you can do is think happy thoughts and then you get taken out, get back on and try again. Um, Sometimes it doesn't work out, but yeah, we paddle up and over takes an incredible amount of balance. And then, and a lot of paddle skills. So being able to paddle slap and, and balance yourself in the water without falling over and then continuing to paddle before another wave gets you and stuff. But, um, I mean, surfing reef, reef breaks is always ideal, right? But sometimes it's like, it'll take you a good, I mean, 30 minutes to get out on a beach break because when you fall over, you unstrap, you get off, you get back on, you get hit, you get, you know, it's hard to watch sometimes. I'm like, oh, that looks bad. <laughs> it's not working out. <laughs> what is the, what are you on as far as surfboard? Like, so it- they're custom shaped. It's called a wave ski. Um, there's a, the shaper that I use is, uh, or that I work with, his name is Ian McLeod. He's a South African that shapes um, out of Florida. So it's a, it looks like a surfboard on the bottom. And then I guess it looks more like a open kayak on the top, but it's not. So there's just a seat and then two little grooves for your feet. And then you sit on it. So it's yeah, it's custom shaped epoxy, just like a surfboard would be. Yeah, it's not the big plastic open kayak that everyone no, listening yeah. is probably thinking of. Like, right? No, look up wave ski. Yeah, it's a surfboard. <laughs> yeah. It's a full blown surfboard, just with somewhere to put your body, more or less. It's not right. a flat surface. Yeah. Well, and, and wave skiing was a big sport in like the seventies down in South Africa because it's so sharky that guys wanted to surf but not have their feet in the water. Um, And then it just, it was so applicable to people that needed to sit and surf anyways. So we were like, hey, we got that. Let's do that. (laughs) That's insane. That's, you guys are way tougher than me forever. Um, I wanna jump a little bit. We're still gonna talk Olympics, but I wanna talk equal pay in Olympics, Paralympics. And yes. A lot more coverage. I don't know if it's equal coverage, but a ton more coverage. Yeah. Yeah, we've come a long way. And actually, in the last two games, we've made incredible strides with, in 2018, we were given equal pay for our medals. So I did the did the math. I would have made a lot of money, um, <laughs> but the athletes that were winning in 2018 and 2020 and uh, so on are getting paid equally. So huge, huge for athletes who are already disabled, who already have so many challenges to entry to sport, let alone training full time, having multiple jobs, like the whole Olympic story, you know, Olympians 
the U.S. Olympic Committee is the only, well, one of the only um, non-government funded Olympic committees. So every other country is getting funds from their government to support the athletes that compete at the games. Meanwhile, we're fully depending on sponsorship from all of our big corporate sponsors and then how that gets divvied up to certain sports is different, you know, so you can't always rely on it really. But one of the biggest changes that's happened for the Paralympics is Toyota getting on board. So as a disclaimer, I am a Toyota sponsored athlete, but outside of that, Toyota decided how about we take away the financial challenges that every Paralympian is facing? We're going to sponsor every Paralympian in the United States, which has never happened. Thanks. It is absolutely changing the game. So are they just giving them like old Toyota Corollas or are they like financially helping them get there? They're financially helping every athlete. They would actually give everybody a car if they could, but they can't. So um, each athlete is given $10,000 um, to put towards their travel and training and competition schedules that need to take place before the games. So, I mean, you know, one of the hardest things for me, I threw like hometown fundraisers to get to Vancouver in 2010. I had no money going into Beijing. It was just like poor college kid, like whatever you got, you know, whatever you can do to make it happen to get there. Um, and then once I won my second gold is when I, I signed my first contract with Nike and eventually Visa, the Hilton, AT&T and so forth. Um, but I had to win two golds to get those sponsors. Like I was, it, it wasn't one gold, it was two. Like, what are the chances, you know? And a lot of Olympic and Paralympic athletes aren't going to win the gold. It's so rare. It's less than 1%. So it's like, what do you do to achieve your dreams? And most athletes have to have multiple jobs while they're full, full-time training. Um, and so the biggest change that's happened really is Toyota getting on board, supporting all the athletes, and then also partnering with NBC to provide so much more coverage. Um, I was really, I had a, a great time working with NBC in the last games uh, two games, actually. I went to Tokyo as a sideline reporter and so bizarre. I was like the only fan in the whole arena. I, I worked with basketball and rugby. So I was supposed to be unbiased, but when I was, when it came down to it and the U S was playing Japan in the men's gold medal match, I was of course going to root for the U S um, which turned out to be an incredible game. Steve Serio speaking of. It's like the Michael just, Jordan of like the Paralympics, right? Like that's yes. like from the research I gathered, like of wheelchair basketball, he is the Michael Jordan. Like totally. Yeah. He's so smooth. If you watch him play, you're just like his like, style he's got this swagger about him that's just like dang Steve he's so good he's just so good um and Matt Scott who I mentioned earlier he would be like LeBron or Steph Curry like he's just good at basketball and so um it was just so cool to work with NBC and you know as a Toyota athlete represent in that way because I you know part of me is torn because I I'm almost 40, but I still feel like I could be out there. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Oh dang. Like, but then I think, Oh, do I want to spend literally hours on end in a gym? You know, like what's my lifestyle now? Okay. No, you don't. It's the you personal don't sacrifice. That. You could do it, right? but it'd be the, the, right. the personal sacrifice, the, the mom, totally. the, it, the wife, yeah. the, surfing for two weeks in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be doing any of that. Um, and I have friends that are, you know, 40 plus that have kids that are doing it. Triathlon friends, you know, they're just doing it. And I'm like, good for you. I'm going surfing. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I mean, NBC doing all the coverage and just, I think also what's changing the game is some of the commercials that you're seeing with Paralympians integrated in along with Olympians, like people are starting to get it. And 
honestly, I think once we get to LA 2028, I think we're going to have a, I hope that we'll have like just a major shift in the way that people with disabilities are perceived in, in American society, because every other games has changed, you know, it's been a catalyst for change with how people with disabilities are received into their, you know, society in the country that's hosting. So China had a big, I don't know, it, I would like to think it, it really changed things. I think it did on some levels, but I think um, they have a long way to go, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always politics involved too with the Olympics, which I think is hard right. and it's a big dollar sport, but I, I think people just don't, know what they don't know as far as like I, my my dad like he just loves sports he doesn't care what right. they are and the olympics nbc covers curling and like during the olympics my dad is loves curling just because it's on he's right. just like this is right. like, like it's an art so like if they showed sled hockey consistently in a prime time slot Right. My dad would watch it and love it and follow it, which comes with funding and like that all comes into play. But if you're not highlighting it, how is anyone supposed to care about it other than the right. people that are directly affected by that? And I know that sounds rude, but like it's true. If we don't, if the NFL wasn't jammed down our throats, no one would care about it. Thank you. Um, Title IX is celebrating its 50th anniversary tomorrow. It's a huge day for the Women's Sports Foundation, which I'm hugely involved in, um, ESPNW. But like the path that women have taken to finally, I, I can't say that, we haven't achieved equality but no we've fought for it for 50 years and we have made progress to the point where we are still creating opportunities for women to realize their dreams of competing but also reaping all of the benefits that come with being an athlete including like the social emotional development that happens as a kid you know, all of the benefits to your health, like all of those things should be available to anybody. And Title IX is in place to make sure that's a thing for anybody that wants to compete. And so, you know, the NBA and the NFL being, to use your words, being shoved down our throats is, is a major hindrance to women and people with disabilities having the prime time slot and attention that they deserve to then get the funding and you know representation matters women there's just like my little 17 year old self needed to see a woman with a disability achieving these great things there's still young kids that need to see the sled hockey team win the gold or you know women's wheelchair basketball get the bronze in japan and like they should have that opportunity. And so we're, we're making progress. We have a long way to go. You know, it's one of those things you want to be really happy and celebrate how far we've come, but not be, to use Billy, Billy Jean King's words, not settle for the crumbs. You know, we want the whole cake for sure. We want women's women's NFL football. If that's what, you know, a group of women want. You know? Right. And it's, I can't relate. I'm blonde hair, blue eyed male. Like I, I'd probably make more hypothetical dollars skiing or get more equipment than right. some of the pro female athletes. And I'm nothing like I don't make those decisions. So like, I can't pretend to relate, but someone made a good point. I don't remember who it was. So no one quote me or call me out on the internet, but they were talking about female athletes and someone was arguing with them that, well, the NBA is more entertaining than the WNBA. And their rebuttal was, well, if females in the WNBA got paid to just be a professional athlete, then they would catch up a lot sooner. But that female in the WNBA is also a full-time engineer and has to work a side job to go play basketball on the weekends. Or, and it was a really good point for me of being like, oh, they don't have the opportunity financially-wise to train all the time. They go to work all day, not everyone, but... It's a totally different, and it was it was like an epiphany for me 
just as a listener, I don't, again, I don't remember, but it was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like LeBron gets paid millions of dollars to just be good at basketball. Right. Like I'm not a big sports guy, so I can't name a lot of athletes, but like it, it opened yeah. my eyes a lot of like, you know, whoever doesn't, they're an engineer, they're a full-time engineer. And right. this is what they do on a Tuesday night. They fly across the country and play a game and then come back to work and have to use PTO like that. And not to mention the motherhood aspect of it all. If you want to be a mom and continue to compete, I mean, what's in place for childcare? What's in place for maternity leave? Like, are you going to lose all your sponsors? You know, and up until recently, until Allison Felix called Nike out and said, wow, I got pregnant and you're dropping me. Guess what? I'm going to go with a different company that's going to support me. And then also create a whole new path for women that want to be moms and still compete and create funding for childcare. And like, I just got to say, like, I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us women. We are resilient. We're gritty. We get the job done. We're like not having it. And I'm stoked for us. Like, even if we have to fight for it, like, let's go, you know? And that's something that I learned from Billie Jean King and getting to work alongside her to create more opportunities for girls and women to play. And She's just such an incredible woman. I can't even believe it. She's just, I love that I get to be alive during the time that Billie Jean is here, making an incredible change in the history of sports for women. Yeah, it seems so simple, like on paper. Like this, right. this is simple. And it's it's not. And I can't, again, I can't pretend to relate to that. I. All I can do is like, you know, I always say shut up and listen and like have these conversations and hopefully everyone listening is maybe it changes their point of view. Like, oh yeah, this is, and like, let's be honest, every dude listening, like we want to see women playing sports anyway. Like I don't want to watch a bunch of dudes tackling each other. I want to watch a bunch of women tackling each other. Like call me totally. a perv, whatever. But like we put you guys on these pedestals everywhere in life except for sports. And it's like, right. How does this make sense? How is this? And the level is just getting, it's insane. The level of female sports in the last, say, 10 years has just, and I think that comes with funding, but like you guys right. are allowed to be athletes and you're given a budget to be an athlete and to train and get better. And like, of course the level's going to, but we need to keep doing it. It's not over. That's, right. I mean, as you said, it's not, it's not over. We're not there. And we, I'm not this, but I will support as much as I can in every way, shape or form. Um, so it's, I don't know. It's a, that could be a whole podcast if we can just talk about right. that the whole time. Uh, I want to shift gears into motherhood because you are recently a new mom. I mean, it's been two years, I think, right? Ish. Almost three. He'll three. be three uh, next month. Yeah. Wow. Three. That's I thought it was less, but what, I mean, who am I? I don't know. <laughs> I want to talk about specifically, and we can talk about your kid and being a mom as much as you want as well, but Barbie creating a sit ski Barbie. Mm -hmm. What does that feel like as a mom? Well, going back to representation matters, right? Um, my son gets to see his mom portrayed in a Barbie doll and he didn't think anything of it. He's like, go mom, go playing with it, you know? And it, it felt, it felt like it should feel. I, I think that he should see moms in wheelchairs on TV and moms in wheelchairs working and being integrated into every other piece of media that he consumes in some way, shape or form. Um, but, you know, it felt really good to have that opportunity to share that with him. Um, and I just, I, I'm like having a hard time right now with like, so it's pride month, right? Um, it's so incredible that so many people, businesses, um, individuals, 
who, what have you, whoever puts their rainbow flag up in their window or on their door saying, you're welcome here. I love that. I want that. That's, it feels unifying to me. It's acceptance. It's all the things. Um, but I had a friend who was just, who just posted yesterday on Instagram that she was going to get a facial um, for a birthday gift or whatever. She's in a chair and she could clearly see on the business um, website or whatever that if she was a lesbian woman, she was more than welcome to be at that business. And that was incredible. As a person in a wheelchair, she had no idea whether or not that building was accessible. And so it's like, like we're, the disabled population is a minority group that anybody can join at any time, sadly. And most people get injured in car accidents, which everybody drives a car. It doesn't discriminate. You can join this club anytime at any point in your life. And it just, it's hard for me that not more people are putting their energy into the unification of people and the acceptance and inclusion of people with disabilities in every aspect of society, just like we are with pride and the LGBTQIAI, I think I said that right, group of people are being accepted as a whole. And we're still over here like, hey, can I come too, please? Is that possible? I don't know, you know? And so I'm really happy with moments like my son playing with the Paralympic Barbie, but I'm also like, uh, we have so much farther to go. Um, and I think one of the hardest things about the, you know, the disabled person movement is there's so many different flavors of disability that unifying us all is like, a little bit different and maybe a harder than it is to get like everybody from the LGBTQ group on board, you know what I mean, as a movement. So I don't know, I don't know if I answered your question, but there are moments that feel really amazing that I get to see representation being played out. And then there's others that I'm just like, got a long way to go here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Again, I can't, I can't relate, but I, I always relate it to like, you don't know what you don't know and you don't necessarily see it until it affects you or someone around you. And like, I had a friend who was battling cancer and my, my, his brother was telling me about like, you go into these buildings that you've gone into for years and you're like, this isn't handicap accessible and I can't get a wheelchair in here. And it's like, you don't notice these things right. Right. until you deal with them. And that's sad. But it's, you know, I think awareness helps and conversations help. And it's just like, you know, and I think people, maybe including myself, is like you tiptoe around like the disability. And it's like, right. I don't know. I f sometimes I feel weird or I feel awkward. And it's like, no, you're more able than I am. You're a better surfer than me. You're a better skier than me. You're a better parent than I. I don't have kids. But like, I see it. I see it on Instagram. And like, you right. see, and it's like, Oh, not to you, but like, we're all just normal. Cause what is normal, right? Speaking of being a parent. Perfect. I know we're at 57 <laughs> minutes, so I will get you out of here yeah. ASAP. Um, no worries. Hi, bud. Good morning. Hi, bud. Oh, look at that. Good morning. Smile. Hi, babe. We we're just talking about you. Funny. Yeah, we were just talking about you. Did you have a nice nap? Oh, good. <laughs> oh, I need a nap. Yeah. I, I could have used the nap, too. We went swimming today. It was oh, I'm awesome. Jealous. I'm jealous. Um, yeah, but, I mean, you don't know until you know, and then you know, and then you try to educate others. I guess if that was, like, one piece of advice is, like, I think is. I think we could all use a little more empathy in our lives. And that means let's imagine what somebody else is going pick through. Pick up me. Come here. He said, pick up me. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. That's a big three-year-old, almost <laughs> three-year-old guy. 
This is my friend Adam. We were just chatting on a podcast. Good morning. <laughs> He's like, ugh. <laughs> well, hopefully you can edit this. But... Yeah, we can cut him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was really nice to chat. I yeah. could go on and on. It's all good. Uh, I just want to do anyone to thank, sponsors to thank, and how can the general public help any cause that you are a part of? I know that's like a major ask, but like. Right. Well, I just have to thank um, my personal sponsors, Toyota, for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier, for how big of an impact they're having on the Paralympic movement and for supporting me and doing what I love because I get to surf and express my movement you know that's really what toyota is about is is getting people to live their best lives through movement and if it's a disability that's keeping you back they're going to find a solution for that so um just grateful to work with a company that is has those morals and standards you know um and one thing i'm heavily involved with is his dad's organization, the High Fives Foundation, uh, anybody listening could go to highfivesfoundation.org to learn more about what we do, um, which is to support people with life-changing injuries and get them back in the outdoor space uh, through grants and give them the equipment they need to do anything they want, adaptive mountain biking, skiing, surfing, fly fishing, like, what are you passionate about? We'll make it happen. Um, and anybody listening that wants to give to that organization, um, all that money goes towards helping disabled athletes live their dream. So another little me trying to figure it out, you know, <laughs> and I get to coach and, and like be an ambassador and a mentor. And it's really, uh, it's really meaningful work. So support them um at high hi the number five s foundation on instagram high fives um and then i'm at elena the jane on instagram would love to have anybody follow follow up with questions um dm me you know slip into my dms <laughs> <laughs> elena thank you so much um we went a little long so i apologize for that but thank you for taking the time for sure. It was really nice to chat. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.